Hey there, Timmy. Ready to hand over your personal information? Who are you and how did you get into my game? Hold it right there. Sergeant P. Faith is here to put an end to your mischief. That's right. We won't let you get away with this, Chance Wilder. Oh, look who's here. I want to be here on his side. You can't stop me. Come here, Timmy. Let's have a chat. It's time to outsmart Chance Wilder and protect your identity. How can you do that, Sergeant B-Safe? First, never share your personal information online, like your full name, address, or phone number. It's like giving Chance Wilder the key to your life. And secondly, remember to use strong and unique passwords for all your accounts. And don't make it easy for them to guess. Timmy, always be cautious of suspicious links or downloads. They can be trapped, set by hackers. Sergeant B safe, Captain Cast to the rescue! Now let's show Chance Wilder what we're made of. Captain Chaos, initiate firewall defense. Together we fight crime and keep everyone safe. No fair. You can't stop me. Oh, but we can and definitely will. Together we can protect ourselves and stay safe online. Yes, we did it. Timmy, we did it. We showed Chance Wilder that we won't let him win. Good work. Did you, Sergeant, be safe and Officer Bite? Now I feel more confident staying safe online. I'm proud of you, Timmy. Remember, open communication is key. If you ever come across something suspicious or feel uncomfortable online, talk to me or another trusted adult. Absolutely, Mr. Johnson. It's important to have a support system and work together to keep our online experiences secure i learned too much today dad and i'm gonna be more cautious and more responsible online that's my boy together we'll navigate the digital world safely and have fun while doing it well captain chaos and kraken are going to go arrest chance wilder and i bid you and timmy a good night come out with your hands up Take it from me, Sergeant B. Safe. Let's be safe online. And that's your tip of the day to get you on your way. Welcome to Black and Blue, the podcast that's just for you. We bring solutions to everyday problems. We are here to humanize the badge. By interviewing first responders and discussing their trainings, experiences, and publications. Black and Blue airs weekly at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tune in.
Let's go start the show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Black and Blue. I am your host, Clee Tillman, Coach Clee. As some of you know me, I'm your motivational speaker, your empowerment coach, your author, and your favorite baker's favorite baker. And we're here with another wonderful episode. I got a returning guest. Some of you may have known him, know, already know him. Some of you may have seen the episode that he did before, which was a great and popular one. We're going to be pumping, coming right back. We're going to be taking off from that episode and moving forward with another book of his. And we're going to be doing uh, another uh, movie that's causing controversy that's right in line with this conversation that we're having right now. But this is Black and Blue, like I said. This is the, the podcast where we interview law enforcement and first responders who are either rookie, seasoned, or retirees. And we just discuss their trainings, publications, or their experiences here on this platform. So if you're looking for a shout out, we're streaming on five different platforms. Sorry, I got to put that out there. We're on two on Facebook, we're on one on LinkedIn, and we're on two on YouTube, okay? So I can't see who's on here unless you put something in the comments section. This is going to be an interactive live. So if you have any questions or comments, make sure you put them in the comment section. If you have any, if you just want that shout out, put your name and where you're from and put them in the comment section and you'll get that shout out that you're looking for. I see Seti P was already on. Put him on the screen. I see Jewel was already on. Put her on the screen as well. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you guys hit that like button so we can get that algorithm because this is an important conversation. We are going to have a lot of fun discussing it, but it is an important conversation and good information that we're getting out there. Okay. And you see that workwithclee.com it's scrolling below and it's also going to be in the comment section as well workwithclee.com is if you're interested in coming on this show to discuss uh, you being a, you're a first responder and you want to discuss your training publication or uh, experiences that's how you want to do that if you want to be a voiceover for a certain be safe commercial because they're going to be playing sporadically throughout the course of this podcast that's how you do that thing or to get on involved in some of the books you see behind me i wrote five of them that's how you get a copy of them this podcast is sponsored by One Way Publishing, the publishing company who I, I use to write these books, and they have other clients as well. One Way Publishing sponsors Sergeant Be Safe in this podcast as well. So make sure you guys check them out. Their motto is, if you want to turn a mere thought into a book that's bought, they can get that done for you, whether it's fiction, nonfiction, uh, biography, cookbook, children's book, whatever you can think of, they can get it done. But I, hold on, this commercial can explain it better than I can. Stand by. Publishing. Have you ever wanted to explain something, tell a story, or leave a piece of you behind? Have you ever wanted to write your own book, but not specifically know how to do it? Well, get ready. One Way Publishing's here. We can turn a mere thought into a book that's bought. People need to learn from you. They need to hear that story. Kids need to read that book. Imagine if you wrote your own children's book and get to read it to your kids. Here at One Way Publishing, we can get your fiction, nonfiction, fantasy, instructional, what have you, done. All at a reasonable price and definitely a reasonable time frame. And if you don't believe me, ask Sergeant B. Safe. He's working on his right now. He's definitely writing the best chapter of his life. Make sure you check out his cartoon skits that air on the podcast Black and Blue. As Sergeant B. Safe said, that's your tip of the day to get you on your way.
there it is, the one-way publishing car, uh, commercial with Sergeant B. Safe. I see Dr. Francine's back on here. Thank you for tuning back in. We're going to have another amazing and exciting show. Like I said, got Randy, Randy Snyder here. This is, there we go. And the first time he was on here was a few weeks ago, sometime last month. And we talked about cyber creeps, and we had a wonderful intellectual conversation, learned a lot of safety tips there. Now we're back with his other book, the book that he wrote the first time, Bloodline, Evil's Legacy. And this is a good read. It's an interesting story. It's a little, it's a, you, you can't make the truth. I mean, the truth is stranger than fiction sometimes. And we were discussing this book backstage a little bit. It's an interesting story. We're going to dive deep into that and, and other tips and other safety features. We're going to, uh, how you can make yourself safe. And also the book, I mean, sorry, the movie that's out. But without further ado, let me bring him to the stage. Uh, let me get his intro. And in. if you don't remember from the last time that we were just here, uh, the last time he was on here, he's been in law enforcement for over 23 years of service for Pinal County Sheriff's Office uh, on the West Coast area in Arizona. He's done over 266 sex, uh, investigated 266 sex crime offenses and arrested over 120 child sex offenders. Ladies and gentlemen, he's the author of the books that I just held up, Cyber Creeps and Bloodline Evil Legacy. I'm going to bring him to the stage, Randy Snyder. Randy, are you here? I'm here, Coach. Perfect, perfect. Thank you for joining us again. Thank you for making time. I'm excited to have you on here. I know you gave us a brief synopsis of who you were last time you were on here. Uh, can you give us another one for those viewers that are just now joining us here quickly? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I worked uh, with Pinal County Sheriff's Office uh, for about 23 years now. Um, I started out in patrol, uh, was a patrol corporal for about five years, and then went into investigations and started working child crimes and internet crimes against children. Uh, did that for the last uh, 10 years or so of my career. And then now I'm doing background investigations so that I can hire up the, the best people for the agency going forward. Uh, I also was an instructor at Arizona State University for about seven years. Uh, so I've got a little bit of experience with uh, doing that kind of stuff and then uh, doing some training and things like that, uh, both with the agency and around the country trying to keep people informed and aware of what's going on with uh, you know child crimes and the people that are out there trying to trying to hurt our kids yeah yeah absolutely and the like i said the last show you gave us uh stories and and um incidents of from your book cyber creeps on things that you've experienced and, and that you've investigated um throughout the course of your career but this one is interesting because this isn't uh just I, I don't want to random stories uh, of different suspects or different investigations that took on. This is one specific um, family and the generational delineage that was passed down uh, from the patriarch of the family all the way down to um, uh, currently, I guess you would say, for lack of a uh, better uh, purpose, lack of a better explanation. Um, but without giving too many details away, uh, well, what, what caused you to want to write this book, actually? Uh, one of the investigators that, that was the primary investigator on most of those was a good friend of mine. Um, we worked together very closely um, working child crimes. She kind of took me under her wing when I first went into child crimes to teach me what to do. Uh, we then worked with the um, Arizona Child Abduction Response Team together. Uh, we helped kind of get the Arizona Child Abduction Response Team uh, up and going and were the, the Pinal County folks for that. Uh, and she just, she did such an amazing job um, that when she retired, it was a huge loss to our agency. Mm -hmm. And 
knowing what some of those cases were that uh, really impacted her over the years, um, finding that so many of those impactful cases all came from the same bloodline, from the same family was right. just, like you said, it, you can't make that stuff up. I couldn't write fiction uh, as <laughs> that's as good as, as what's out there. And uh, so I had a sergeant that um, reminded me of the cases, said, man, this is such a weird case. This is the kind of thing that people need to know about because intergenerational violence um, is, is very common. It's very prevalent. And to see how it bleeds over from generation to generation and keeps compounding, um, people really need to be aware of it um, to, to try and stop it. And so while this is a, a, a really extreme version of it, um, there's, there's a thousand different stories out there of, of violence within the family going inner, uh, you know, generation to generation. And, and we need to find ways to, to try and stop that. Right. And I know, uh, from your last interview, you said, um, most perpetrators, uh, or suspects, uh, for child sex cases or crimes are usually have are people that, um, the child normally may know as in a family member or a coach or teacher or someone an adult who's in their life that they know personally, correct? That's correct. And, and what we find is that because they have that closeness with the child, or if they're not an immediate family member, at least with the, the child's family, mm -hmm. um, it makes it that much easier for them to perpetrate because they have that, that trust there. They have that bond already there. Mm -hmm. But we also know that the impact to the victim is that much more significant. Mm -hmm. um, when you have somebody that's in that position of, of trust uh, and is and is in oftentimes a loved one, a, a family member, uh, it makes it very difficult for that child to want to disclose. It makes it very difficult for that child to understand why the victimization is happening. Right. And it, it impacts them at so much deeper a psychological level that we have to look at what kinds of therapies might be available to help that child after they've been been rescued. Um, otherwise, it, it just continues, you know, the next cycle and the next cycle. Right. And what, one question I have is, how can we help raise awareness, like you stated, and like what's in the book? I know some of the victims that you, know, you highlighted in the book uh, did bring it to other family members' attention, uh, did bring it to other um, agencies' attention. Uh, and it seemed like most and throughout most of the book, it was swept under the rug or it was dealt with in that moment and then kind of glazed over. How can we bring awareness to help bring our, our victims uh, uh, to have a better, more positive outcome or ju have justice to be served? Well, the first thing I think that we need to do is start by believing. Um, children don't make these things up. Very rarely do we find that there is a false allegation by a child of any sort of sexual uh, misconduct because children just don't think that way. They don't, it's not until their late teens when they start really kind of understanding the conceptualization of, of sex and how it works and, and all of those things. And so when you have a young child that's making these sorts of disclosures, the first thing that you need to do is believe them. And while that's really hard to do, especially if, you know, disclosure is to mom and dad's the suspect, the last thing mom wants to do is think that her spouse is doing this. Um, but believe at least long enough to let an investigation get started. At least let's 
look into it because oftentimes it is a parent or a, a step parent or a, a close family member that is the perpetrator. And if we don't believe the child, the first thing that we're doing is calling them a liar. What we know is that most times there's a grooming behavior that begins uh, for that perpetrator to, to make the victim feel comfortable and to try and avoid disclosure. And so a lot of times what they'll use as part of that grooming behavior is, well, you can't tell anybody because nobody would believe you, or you can't tell anybody because you don't want daddy to go to prison or think of how this would impact the family. Think of how you wouldn't be able to have the toys that you have or, you know, and they, they highlight the financial aspect, the emotional aspect um, of what would happen if this child discloses. And all that does is convince the child that they shouldn't disclose. They can't disclose. And when they bring in that factor of, you know, and nobody's going to believe you because I'm, you know, I'm your dad, I'm an adult, or I'm a, I'm a, a well-known person within the community, whatever the case. And that kid discloses and it does get blown off. They've just proven the, the, the perpetrator right. And yeah. so the kid is going to be even less likely to disclose in the future. And like you said, a, a number of the victims throughout, um, throughout bloodline, they attempted to make disclosures. They mm -hmm. attempted to get somebody to be on their side and the adults just didn't want to believe it. They didn't want to, to think that their family member could be perpetrating such a heinous crime. Uh, and they unfortunately let it just slip away. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, there's many generations highlighted in your book bloodline here. Um, and one of the questions I'm kind of going to skip around a little bit is some of the, uh, the victim, for lack of a better term, uh, victims, uh, throughout the book, um, then become perpetrators as well, or or suspects as well. Uh, is, is that something common that you would see, or is that um, specific to this gener this family, this story right here, where the victim may become a sus later become a suspect who may also become codependent for uh, controlled substance abuse or mental illnesses, or do they all run hand in hand? We see that co-occurrence more often in um, situations of domestic violence where. You know, right. kids grow up watching the parents fight, watching the physical violence that mm -hmm. becomes normalized behavior to them. And they typically will carry that forward. We okay. don't see it quite as much in the sexual abuse. But what we do know is the earlier that the sexual abuse starts, the longer it goes in duration, the more likely it is that that victim is going to um, end up perpetrating later on. And what we know from those families is it started at very young ages. It went for very long periods of time. It went undiscovered for a very long time. And so the normalization of that behavior uh, kind of seeped into the family and that's what allowed them to continue to perpetrate. Um, not all of the family members were criminal, um, but enough of them were that you can see that intergenerational uh, you know, span and, you know, bringing to the point, the mental health aspect and the, the substance abuse, mm -hmm. uh, it's, we, we find that it's very common with victims who don't get any kind of resolution. They don't get any kind of treatment that they will often have, um, mental health issues. We'll see that, especially if the, if the abuse starts at a very young, young age, 
we also see them moving toward chemical dependencies to try and cope with that mental health issue. And so to find out that the victim later on ends up um, abusing alcohol, abusing drugs, things like that uh, is pretty common. And that's when the potential for that to move on and have them move into a, becoming a perpetrator becomes uh, uh, more more common. Gotcha. And like highlighted um, th throughout your book as well, or to this family, is there any way that you can foresee thinking back or looking back during this investigation that the cycle could have been broken or the chain could have been broken before it was passed down from uh, the patriarch to the son to the, the another son all the way down for the generations do you think this like other than a couple of the whistleblowers who weren't believed uh through until later in the story the do, do, would you find any is there any tips that you can give uh that could that would acknowledge the cycle being broken well we know that um as it as it falls between the patriarch and his son um that there was very little opportunity for disclosure given the the um given the circumstances of the time frame we're talking um you know the 60s and 70s um a lot of the laws from that time are vastly different than what we have now domestic violence wasn't even considered a thing i mean that was within the family child abuse was was looked at as parental issue it was mostly discipline um so i don't know how much opportunity there was to be able to break the cycle at that phase although the rumor is uh, and i because it's so far back we don't i i wasn't able to find um any record but the rumor is um that the son was getting ready to disclose the abuse that his father had perpetrated and that's when the father uh killed himself and his wife and so there's a possibility it could have ended there. Even though it didn't, and the son started to perpetrate on his kids, there were multiple, multiple opportunities for those disclosures to have been taken seriously, to have been investigated seriously, to, to try and stop the cycle at that point. Um, and unfortunately, there was a, a number of failings. Um, the, the legal system in California failed when he was originally charged with molesting his uh his wife's sister mm -hmm. then it failed again when they were in arizona then it failed again in texas there were numerous failures um, between the judicial system the child welfare system things like that and and it just kind of let it keep moving generation to generation we hope that the most current generation um is not likely to continue that that streak that there's not going to be additional um offending behaviors there at this point there's there's no indication that there is um but only time will tell and, and we can hope that there was enough intervention um with that young man to to be able to stop the cycle but it, it's too early to tell right understandable and like you were saying this is a uh this happened over generations and this happened uh, multi-jurisdictionally involving other states as well. Uh, if, if this family or if there's a family similar to this, what kind of tips would you give them? I know uh, some of the 
the women involved here were kind of skeptical and believing the children uh, due to the fact that um, the patriarch or the suspect was also the breadwinner. Um, so the, therefore, the way of life is going to change. The income is going to change. Where we're living is going to change. Uh, what kind of advice would you give them that are scared to actually either believe the children or take the next step to kind of bring safety into the household? Well, and that that's a tough one because we see it in the domestic violence realm also where um, women will stay with their abusers well past what would seem logical um, because of a number of factors, some of them financial, some of them uh, have to do with codependencies and things like that. Um, so, you know, trying to break those cycles is is going to be difficult and it takes a lot of, of work from a lot of different sources. You have to be able to help those individuals once they escape um, mm -hmm. with things like housing and finances. Um, it may even require uh, occupational education, stuff like that. A lot of the domestic abuse shelters uh, are limited in their space. They're limited in their beds. And so for them, for the, for the woman to escape with her kids is that much harder because it's that much more difficult to find beds space with the kids. And so a lot of them stay because they can't leave the kids, but they don't want to, they don't want they, they don't have any way to escape with the kids. Right. Um, and so we really need to look at revamping some of the, uh, the child welfare system that unfortunately tends to take the brunt of the attack when when these kinds of things happen. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that you know we can look at is oftentimes, and we saw it in, in this particular case where there were disclosures, mm -hmm. and instead of contacting law enforcement, instead of contacting a professional to say, hey, um, let's investigate this, let's look into this, let's make these kids safe, they said, let me ask so-and-so if they're doing it. Yeah you know, here's a person who has a vested interest in wanting to lie. We already know is a good manipulator and a, and a, you know, smooth person and being able to groom that child in the first place to be able to perpetrate. But now they have even more reason to lie. So of course they're going to tell the person, oh, they're crazy. The kid lies all the time. And oftentimes that's part of the grooming as well is they will find little ways to discredit the child in other aspects so that when the child discloses everybody already thinks the kid's a liar anyway everything everybody already thinks the kid has a a, a wonderful sense of of you know uh, making things up or or imagination and so when you combine those two elements of not wanting to believe them because you don't want to think that of your kid or of the perpetrator and then add to it the their natural ability to schmooze people mm -hmm. um, it, it creates a perfect storm for them to continue the abuse and right. so what we need to start doing is making sure that we're having those conversations with kids at a very young age that it's not the stranger danger talk that we got growing up in the 70s and 80s right because it's not the strangers that are typically perpetrating it what right. we need to have is the talk of trusted adults don't ask kids to keep secrets you know, outside of, hey, I, I bought your mom a birthday present. Shh, don't tell her that I got her some flowers. Yeah. yeah. Parents don't ask kids to keep those kinds of secrets. If a kid is being asked to keep a significant secret like that, they should be trained from a very young age that, mm, no, that's not a good secret. 
you know, instead of teaching the idea of stranger danger, let's teach the idea of good secret versus bad secret. Mm. The other common problem that we have is we teach kids good touch, bad touch. Mm -hmm. And here's what confuses kids is sometimes the bad touch feels good. I mean, we as adults know that that kind of stuff can feel good. Mm -hmm. And so when you have a kid with somebody that they love that's saying, you're going to like this. Let me show you how you like it. Let me uh, let me show you some pictures or some videos of people who are doing the same thing and see how much they're enjoying it. And they use that as part of their grooming behavior. And mm -hmm. then the touch actually has a, a positive physical sensation. Mm -hmm. It's going to be confused of, is this a good touch or is this a bad touch? Yeah. So we need to change the nomenclature there and start looking at it as, you know, what's an appropriate touch, what's an inappropriate touch, when is it appropriate for a parent to, you know, be in the in the bathroom with the kid or, you know, be around them and stuff, and when is it not, and really start delineating that in, in better terms so that it's not quite so confusing so that when it does happen, uh, the kid is not going to be as confused and they're going to be more likely to yeah and and like you you said described in the book uh bloodlines here the perpetrators um you say are very crafty very charismatic in their speech they they may feel very confident that even if questioned by a law enforcement agency or child welfare agency or children and youth whatever they feel that they can they can talk their way out of the situation i, I saw that uh, many times by the perpetrator throughout the book and also um uh, another important point, another important important tips is while talking with kids, you talk about good touch, bad touch. Uh, what kind of games? I see you, you, you highlighted games that are um, what kind of games are supposed to be safe and and trustworthy each time. Not each time. Uh, a lot of the times, the the perpetrator would say, "Let's play a game. Uh, this will be fun. This will be something that you should keep between me and you." Uh, and then the abuse would happen. Uh, those is that a common practice that you would see in in that realm too with young kids? Absolutely, and and when we would go in to interview them, you know, trying to ask them questions, um, it was pretty common for them to go. Daddy says I'm not supposed to talk about that, or we don't talk about that game, or we'd have to be very careful in how the questions were asked because if you ask the kid, well, did so and so do this? Mm -hmm. They may not necessarily think about it in that in that fashion, they're thinking of it as this was the tickle game or this was the, you know, the the hide and seek game or something like that. And you have to kind of get around how they're articulating it. Right. One of the other things that um, when I was doing these investigations, we tried to educate parents on um, because we saw it very often in the forensic interviews that we do mm -hmm. is children need to be taught the correct anatomical names for things and obviously it has to be done at, a, at an age appropriate time frame but we would have kids come in and start making disclosures but they're talking about um you know so and so touched my cookie okay well now we have to go through an entire line of questioning on what's a cookie what's a cookie used for are we talking about an oreo or are we talking about something else yeah. and if the children are raised to not use those kinds of terms if they can speak intelligently about body parts and what those body parts are by using the correct grammar um it makes it that much easier to then teach them 
so-and-so shouldn't be touching this part without using those euphemisms. And, right. and so, um, you know, as when, when raising kids, I mean, I, I get it. I've got three kids of my own. Having that birds and bees conversation is it's uncomfortable no matter yeah. what. Yeah. Um, but the earlier you can have age appropriate conversations with kids to teach them what's appropriate, what's not, what should be, you know, or shouldn't be happening behind closed doors and who it's appropriate or not appropriate around, the more likely they are to disclose if something inappropriate happens, even by a trusted adult, and that's going to slow down that perpetration. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yep. Thanks for sharing good information. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to pause for the cause quickly, have a Sergeant Be Safe uh, commercial, and we're going to jump right back to this interview. Stand by. Hi, Ava. Hey, Maya. I don't feel like going home. I don't feel like going home either. What are we going to do? Let's just chill here. Are we allowed to? It's public property, isn't it? Guess what Megan wore to school today? OMG, there's Sergeant B safe. Let's get it on, baby. Because I'm ready to start. Take a lock off the cage because I'm ready to bump. It's late. What are you girls doing here? Ugh, are we in trouble? Trespassing, loitering and prowling, along with curfew violations, are a big deal. Thank you, but I'll take it from here, Captain Chaos. Rules are made for a reason. A lot of bad things can go on after curfew. We're gonna have to call your parents. You girls must have snuck out, which is not good. Ladies, thank you for showing up in a timely manner. Just wanna let you know, this will be a warning for them. They can't be out past curfew, especially on private property. Not only that, but they're also loitering and prowling. You two are able to take your daughters home. I know they'll get straightened out. You and Captain Chaos keep up the great work. Thank you, Sergeant. Be safe. We will straighten them out. Well, I'm glad we got that situated. Absolutely. Seemed like a mistake that was innocent enough. I'm glad we got the opportunity to educate the kids and make their parents aware. The work of a public servant is never over. One job down and many more to go. And that's your tip of the day. Get you on your way. back ladies and gentlemen boys and girls let me get this off there we go we are back we had the interview with uh randy snyder here wrote two books cyber creeps and bloodline evil legends egg evil <laughs> evil's legacy sorry tongue twister um and jumping back into the interview this may be more of a cyber creeps kind of question but how can social media awareness for uh younger kids be important especially gamers um, to know that they're being uh, groomed or stalked or perpetrated upon? A lot of the same grooming techniques occur online as occur offline. So you'll have the uh, whoever the person is online that will use some of the same tactics of trying to gain their trust, trying mm -hmm. to um, 
keep them uh, interested, but also keep them quiet. Right. Um, the, the same kinds of techniques will be used to, you know, impart those secrets or uh, remove the desire for them to tell people about it. And then they'll use the same grooming techniques when it comes to introducing the idea of sexual activities. Right. Um, a lot of social media, they'll send them pictures or show them videos, send them links to um, Pornhub, stuff like that. When I was working undercover um, as, as, a, as a minor, um, oftentimes uh, I would have perpetrators that would send me a, a link to Pornhub or, or RedTube or one of those and say, now check this out. I want to see if that looks like something you'd want to do. Wow. I found the same thing when I was rescuing victims from households that the perpetrator would be showing them pornography online or on their phone or something like that to normalize the behavior to, uh, you know, get them to feel like this is something that is okay. Um, and so the, the same tactics are used in, in both directions. The biggest problem is, um, when it comes to the internet, of course, they're much more likely to be strangers. And yeah. unfortunately, uh, oftentimes they're not in the same jurisdiction. Right. And so even if a disclosure is made, um, it's that much more difficult to identify and locate the suspect and, and stop the behaviors. Whereas in person, it's oftentimes, like I said, at, at something like an 80% prevalence rate, um, it's somebody known to the family or somebody in the family and so uh, that one's a little bit easier to, to catch the bad guy. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing as well. Um, we talk talking about speaking of catching the purpose or, or assisting the victim. Um, well, before we jump into that, uh, uh, where can it is scrolling below? But where exactly can if anyone's watching for the first time, obtain copies of your books here? The, the books are available on my website, and it's scrolling down at the bottom, snyder1193.weebly.com. Um, and that's where, if you want, you can order a copy, and I'll be happy to autograph it for you and, and send it out to you. Um, there's also uh, available on Amazon. And okay. so if you go onto Amazon and, and look up uh, either Bloodline or Cyber Creeps, um, both of them are available. You can go in and look for the author page, um, find my author page, and follow it. And you'll get to see not only those two books, but some of my other books and uh, anything that I have upcoming. And so you can get them in either of those places. Uh, I'm working on trying to get uh, get them out into some of the stores and things like that. But dealing with corporate CEOs and stuff is is a bit time consuming. So, And if anybody on here is, uh, is a law enforcement and they're in child crimes, I will be at the Dallas Crimes Against Children's Conference next week, uh, starting August 7th. And I will have the books available there too. So if you're there, come by, say hi, I'll uh, autograph a book for you. And there's some, uh, some goodies that I'm bringing that are going to be exclusive to the conference if you're there. So absolutely so if you're in the area the dallas area and you're going to the convention uh make sure you guys check him out and show some love and support uh it's a lot of effort time and effort that he put into his books um the stories are tremendously wonderful to engage in especially for the us normies uh, i would like to say uh who i i i like we talked about before i'm a narcotics guy i've been narcotics detective undercover that realm i haven't done i've assisted on child sex cases but i haven't 
been lead or anything and don't desire to, to be honest with you. But those of you who do, uh, you have a tremendous job ahead of you. I commend you. Those of you who are interested in getting in that field in some sort of capacity, uh, give his books a, a gander. You'll learn a lot. And, and if you can run into him, go ahead and, and pick his brain. There and, we go. And if you want, there's a, there's a uh, way to contact me through my website that um, if you want additional information, you're looking to get into the field, I can give you some ideas of good trainings to go to, some of the things that you can do. Um, and if you're not in law enforcement, but you want to learn more about it, I am happy to put on presentations either virtually through, um, you know, through something like this, uh, or I'm happy to travel and come out and put on presentations for law enforcement. Um, I have a number of different trainings that are available on doing the investigations. Um, I have some for parents and teachers uh, and students on okay. how to be safe online. And then I know Dr. Fran is here. Nurses United Against Human Trafficking is an outstanding organization that is doing some training in the medical field so that they can train up nurses and doctors to be able to identify these victims when they're coming into uh, hospitals and clinics and things like that. There is also a law enforcement component there, uh, a basic human trafficking 101 kind of course that you can uh, obtain through Nurses United if you're in law enforcement, if you want to learn more about um, human trafficking, uh, mm -hmm. internet crimes against children, how those two co-occur and uh, get better educated so that you can protect your family and your friends and and all the other kids out there that that need protection absolutely yeah thanks for all you do this is an important topic by shayla absolutely you are 100 correct thank Green you Shayla. Martin, uh by sheriff martin and yep then dr francina giving the emoji smiley face yes absolutely this is an important topic and i'm glad we get to, to cover it all over again last time we were here uh last time you were on the show uh, we discussed backstage on the movie that either just came out or did not come out at the time of the, our last podcast. Um, yep, there you go. Want we'll make sure, make sure I get these out here? Thank you, Randy. Yes, uh, the the movie, the uh, Sound of Freedom, um, and I, I thought it just I watched the trailer right after we got done talking. There's the uh, movie poster right there on the screen. Uh, I I did not think that it was a movie that was going to be shunned or blackballed by the industries. And I didn't think it was going to be, uh, I, I didn't know at the time that it was going to be something that was um, shunned and very difficult to get into the theaters. And then, so I'm like, of course, you're hearing this. You, of course, you're wanting to protect children. You recommend it. I'm like, oh, I definitely got to go see this movie. So I go see this movie and it's an eye opener in itself. I mean, it's it hit it, it's it hits you in your core um it, it's a tragic story um it has good some good highlights i don't want to give too much away um but you you see the different aspect of the movie of the child sex crime where this time you you, you have an investigator who gets to arrest the bad guy like we all do um but in this particular story you get to help the victim and go ahead and help other victims um, find justice or freedom itself. Have you, before we talk about uh, to, uh, a little bit of, mo of the movie, have you been able to bring justice and help out a victim um, yourself? I, I have, and um, 
It certainly wasn't as uh, exciting as what Tim Ballard shows in his movie. I didn't get to fly to Columbia or anything, um, but um, there there have been uh, about a dozen different cases where we identified victims um, that I was able to personally be there when we rescued them, uh, mm -hmm. when we got them out of the situation. I've been on a number of other investigations where um, as part of the ICAC team, I was mm -hmm. present when children were pulled out of, of those kinds of situations. And uh, there, there's nothing, nothing like it. I mean, nobody wants to get into these types of crimes and deal with the time, types of things that we have to deal with and see what we see. I believe but the minute you see what the result is, the minute you see what that impact is for that kid, it makes it all worth it. Mm. And there's, the, the the depiction of what Tim Ballard was going through at the beginning of that movie with viewing the images and and really that gut punch of, you know, I, I can arrest all the bad guys in the world, but if it doesn't save a kid, it's, yeah. it's really not doing anything. Um, there's nothing. It, it was it was depicted so perfectly that it it kind of gave me made my PTS itch. It, it, it gave me a little bit of, you know, <laughs> a little bit of flashback because I can remember sitting in front of computer screens, just like he was looking at image after image after image going, how do I save this kid? How do I, how do I make an impact beyond just arresting some guy who happened to have the picture on his computer? Mm -hmm. um, being able to, to get those kids out of that, uh, it, it's an amazing feeling. And and honestly, I don't know. Several of the kids that that I rescued were young enough that I don't know that they ever recognized what was going on exactly. I, you know, mm -hmm. uh, a couple of them were older, and and I think would would remember um, some of it. Mm -hmm. But regardless of of that, just knowing that they're not going through that anymore. Yeah. is amazing now I, I would love to reach out or have the a couple of the the survivors that i've been in contact with reach out and say hey this is how my life is going this is what's yeah. going on just you know for a little bit of closure but mm -hmm. even if it never happens i know that they're not being abused by that guy anymore yeah. i know that that person is is out of the picture and that's that, that's what it takes that's what that's what it's all about yeah and I, I know um, I kind of, again, I relate to the feeling that he was going through. Uh, you arrest bad guy after bad guy after bad guy. And you kind of empathize or sympathize. I mean, he's at the point of his career, like, what's the point? Uh, I'm arresting these bad guys, but I, I don't I don't believe I'm making a difference. I don't believe I'm making an impact. It's wearing on your heart, mind and soul to the point where he goes to his boss. I mean, you can see this in the trailer where he he knows that once he gets he saves one victim and finds out it's a more more victims in the family involved that he can't rest until he at least brings some sort of closure to this individual family uh because it's been eating away at him so long where this is the point this will this will bring closure for him right. uh have you is that the the, the kind of situations that you can relate to as well uh doing doing sex offenses Absolutely. I had one um, offender, uh, and I talk about him in, in Cyber Creeps a little bit, that um, the case originally came to me because 
uh, he was perpetrating online through social media um, against a couple of girls in Australia. And they uh, had the, the strength to uh, disclose and it was investigated by Australian authorities and they figured out that he was in, in Arizona. And so they sent the case over to me. When I went into his devices after we after we made contact with them and, and got into his devices, um, I found that he had at least 50 additional victims. Wow. I was only able to identify 20 of them because the rest of the information that would be necessary to identify the other ones just wasn't there. There wasn't enough. There just wasn't enough. Um, and it still eats at me to this day that there's other victims out there that I couldn't, couldn't save. I couldn't give them that closure, but at least I know that the 20 that I did no longer have to fear him. They no longer have to worry about him reaching out or communicating or, or contacting or anything else. Um, and it was interesting because one of the victims was in the UK and I had sent uh, information packets over to authorities in England to say, hey, um, this, this person's been victimized. Here's the information that I have. Here's who the suspect is, things like that. Can you please contact her? Can you please, you know, resolve the situation on your end with this victim? And I never heard anything back from, from the investigators, um, which is not uncommon with international cases, but it, it was a little disheartening anyway. Right. About, oh, it's a little over two years later, I got an email from a random cop over in the UK saying, hey, um, we've got this girl and we think she's been victimized by somebody else. And when we were going through and finding this information, um, we also found your case. So we're reaching out to say, hey, you know, she's now being rescued um, and we're going to tie it in with your case, too. And it's a little late, but they eventually got to it and and that was great um yeah. i know a couple other victims that um were perpetrated on by multiple individuals and being able to get them out of those situations and get those bad guys away um was definitely great but knowing that she's doing better and she's able to get the treatment that she needs and heal from it um is great hopefully she can go on and, and have a, a wonderful life yes yeah so you, you hear these stories, some good, some bad, uh, some kind of just are neutral. And you wonder, uh, you know, this is impactful. You know, this is uh, hurting the generations of tomorrow by by um, abusing the kids who are innocent. And before they even have a chance or before they even have full consciousness of what the situation is. Uh, why? And I'm wa watching this movie. I'm learning that the terminology does that that are being used does brings awareness that uh it's child slavery it's the it's slavery that still is going on today uh human trafficking uh and it's a billion dollar a year industry and you wonder i mean that that's a lot of money and that's a lot of hands being exchanged so that that's even as secretive as it is there's got to be a lot of awareness about it and how come it doesn't seem like it, it's growing exponentially, but it doesn't seem like it's coming down or being uh, uh, impacted positively. Um, why would you say that is? Well, first of all, it's it's not a billion dollar a year industry. It's a hundred and fifty billion dollar a year industry wow. um, globally. Um, and there, 
So there's a couple of different reasons. And without going into the internet conspiracy theories, um, really what it comes, a lot of what it comes down to is people aren't comfortable talking about sex and sexual topics in general. And so the idea of having a conversation as hard as these children are being sold for sex mm -hmm. is uncomfortable. I mean, my, my wife, we've been together 23 years this year. Well, married 23, together 27. Okay. And even with her living with me the entire time I was doing sex crimes, it's icky. It's uncomfortable. She doesn't want to hear about it. She doesn't want to know about it. She read cyber creeps only because she wanted to make sure I wasn't putting anything out there that, you know, was, was going to embarrass her, yeah, but yeah. she didn't want to know about it. And that's how most people are. They don't want to know about it. It's, it's much more comfortable to say that happens someplace else, or that is somebody else. It's not going to impact me. It doesn't happen here. It doesn't, it's not my family. And so you have that kind of ostrich syndrome where people feel more comfortable putting their head in the sand because they want it to just be something else. The movie Sound of Freedom is, is is great to help start bringing those conversations out, to start bringing that awareness, start getting people who weren't comfortable with the idea to go, oh, wow, this, this really is something. We really do need to look at this. Um, it's just really sad that this couldn't have happened at the same time that in 2018 Backpage was being taken down because it was an American company that was being used specifically to traffic children and traffic young women in the sex industry around the United States. And as, as grateful as I am that Tim Ballard put the information out there with Sound of Freedom and that, um, that, that the studio that finally, after five years of battles, produced it and put it out was able to do so i think it's slightly disingenuous because people are going to be thinking oh well this is a problem in colombia this is a problem in mexico this is a problem in wherever this is a problem someplace else not here not for me and what they don't understand is that tens of thousands of kids go missing every month that are being trafficked and they're being trafficked around American cities. They're being trafficked in Las Vegas. They're being trafficked in Phoenix. They're being trafficked in Philadelphia, in Miami, you name it. Big cities, little towns, doesn't matter. Kids are being trafficked in the US. They're being contacted online. 40, uh, 40 odd percent of them never meet their trafficker because it's all conducted entirely online. Mm -hmm. And the ones that do meet their traffickers oftentimes are not caught in some snatch and grab kidnapping they're lured out of their house by somebody that they know and trust uh, or think they know and trust right. and then they're being put out there and they're being trafficked and it's happening to american kids all over the country last week there were over a million cyber tips submitted to the national center for missing and exploited children wow on children being sexually exploited, abused, and trafficked online. And, and that's in a seven day period. Yeah. And we know that that's happening in every city across the United States. And so while I think it's great that Sound of Freedom is out there and it's starting to get some press and people are starting to be aware and it's getting out there, mm -hmm. I, I, I can't wait for Sound of Freedom 2 when they 
do something with what's happening domestically and how it's happening online and how American kids are being trafficked by American traffickers, sometimes by their own family members, wow. so that people finally wake up and realize this is not a problem someplace else. This is not a problem that I can ignore or push away or think that happens over there. It's, mm -hmm. it's happening here. It's happening in our schools. It's happening in our towns. And until people get smacked in the face with that, mm -hmm. it's not going to get what it needs from Congress. It's not going to get what it needs from law enforcement or, or any of the NGOs that are out there killing it, trying to trying to rescue these kids. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, it's going to unfortunately have to be a smack in the face like this, the movie hit the industry, uh, get the gatekeepers out the way and and, and move for, move forward um, to get things done. Uh, watching the movie, I, I learned something else again, um, just from one of the uh, the guys who one of the, the co-stars co in the movie um, portraying someone who was in the cartels um, and being a drug guy, understanding that um, they kind of went through the conversation on how you were in the cartels and now you're helping to free kids. How did that happen? Like, where's the correlation? And without getting too much into it, um, he's, he explained how the cartels make money on producing a drug. You, you use that drug and you have to continue producing that drug to, so you can continue financing it. Uh, then he explained on what um, child sec, uh, human trafficking if you uh, get the child young enough, um, they can be trafficked over and over and over again uh, for many, many years. And you basically, for lack of a better term, continue to make money on that same situation or product as opposed to having to recreate the wheel. And that was uh, that was something that, that resonated with me because I never thought about it that way until it was brought to light in, in those terms. We, we know from talking to survivors that oftentimes the goals that are set by their pimps, the, the, the people that are trafficking them, are such that these people are being sold mm -hmm. um, upwards of 10 and 12 times a day. Wow. And so what, I mean, I'll, I'll just call it what it is. These women are being forced to engage in sexual acts with strangers 10 to 12 times a day every single day mm -hmm. and they don't get to make excuses they don't get to call out sick they yeah. don't get to you know any of that sort of thing and i don't know anybody that wants to go through that all the time yeah. i was teaching a, a class to um a group of eighth graders uh this is about a year or so ago and i made the comment about um individuals online that were seeking children to engage in sexual acts and to exploit them and to traffic them and that you know oftentimes these people were being trafficked you know five six seven ten times a day mm -hmm. and i had a couple of the a couple of the teenage boys in the class kind of go all right you know i'd love to do that yeah. and I, yeah, guys you're not immune boys are being trafficked too boys are being trafficked at, at almost the rate that girls are not quite but but close to it's growing mm -hmm. um, but understand that the the people that boys are being trafficked to are not supermodels we're not talking about the you know something that you would would want to happen yeah they're being trafficked to men and they're being trafficked to men 
just as much as the the girls are and uh, all of the boys kind of went oh yeah 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 and, and that's when it kind of sunk in that you know this isn't this isn't anything that anybody would voluntarily do and so the idea that all of these sex workers you know new york has started passing laws and they're they're trying to create legislation to provide sex workers with free health care and they're moving toward the point of legalization of 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 sex work um or at least decriminalization of it oh and the fallacy with the thinking on that is that these people don't want to live that life and and I think a lot of these politicians think that these girls that are, you know, walking the track in their street or are escorting or mm -hmm. are prostituting or whatever, that this is a, a voluntary choice on their part. And most, I, I would wager that it, it's close on 95% of the people that are out there um, that are engaging in these kinds of sex work didn't get into it voluntarily. Right. Uh, we know that the average age of a child being trafficked in the in the U.S. is about 13. And so they're starting them very young. They're putting them into a position where they don't have any other option. They're continuing to sell them as long as they possibly can. And the ones that are in it voluntarily typically have been in it so long involuntarily that they don't know anything else. And that's what they do. Wow. But to then try and decriminalize it and say, well, this is good for the sex workers um no that it, it, it's a very narrow and naive viewpoint uh and i think that we need to start having those conversations too about you know a lot of these sex workers are not doing this voluntarily they're not doing it willingly nobody willingly goes out and has sex with a dozen strangers a day uh, yeah. uh, for you know somebody else to take all the money right so let's just say if this goes forward, where do you see this industry going in the next five to 10 years? That, that, do you see that taking on a, a more negative explosion? Well, we can hope. Um, as more legislation is being passed to take down uh, things like Backpage and the recent fights against places like Pornhub that we know have shown child exploitation and child sexual abuse videos and images. Uh, and who have really made a, an impact on the sexuality of teenagers for the last probably generation yeah. and in glamorizing sexuality, glamorizing um, abusive sex and, and uh, you know, all of the things that it does. I would hope that the pendulum is starting to swing back to being more responsible, taking some down some of those sites, removing some of the glamour of you know the 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 pretty woman prostitutes uh -huh. and show it for what it really is it's mm -hmm. it's somebody who's being abused over and over and over they're being raped over and over and over every day and you know we need to quit trying to glorify it um, and hopefully that's where it starts moving and i i think taking down some of the porn hubs and stuff like that is a good move in the right direction um but then we've got to start working on educating people uh guys don't buy sex you're you're not <laughs> you're not helping anybody by doing that right. um you know and and until we can get some of the johns out of the way as long as the demand is still there the supply is gonna gonna be there involuntarily yeah
Yeah, makes sense. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're going to jump right back in this interview, but stand by. We've got a commercial break. We'll be right back. This is a good drink. I like this place. I like it too. Mario, let me get another one. Well, jeez Louise, you guys each had enough. Hey guys, don't you guys look nice? Now your fools wanna show off. She's talking to me. No, dummy, she's talking to me. You wanna see me outside? I'll see you now. They're fighting over me. Hey, you guys need to break it up. You're wrecking my place. Hey, Sergeant Better Safer, I need your head now. Welp, I got a few pics of them. I'm out. <gasps> you foes knocked each other out. A Megan, don't you live? Looks like we're right on time again. I don't understand why you guys are fighting. I just saw Megan leaving. Was it for that? It's because she liked my profile picture. We're connected. Insta-talk. Sounds like she played both of you. Isn't that right, Kraken? <laughs> Sergeant the best safe. Captain Chaos. You guys saved the day again. You guys are the true heroes. Thank you, Mario. We appreciate it. Once again, these two are going back to jail. Part of their punishment is they're going to have to pay for all of these damages. Uh. And that's your tip of the day to get you on your way. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, back to our interview with Randy Snyder here, the author of Cyber Creeps that we discussed last time he was on the show and Bloodline Evil's Legacy. I didn't twist my tongue this time while saying it, uh, that we discussed in the uh, first half of the show. Uh, we're continuing on the, inve the, the um, <laughs> investigation, yeah, the uh, interview <laughs> with him right here. Uh, we're going to – got a question. I know last time we talked, um, you said that um, – Internet crimes and 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 sex crimes uh, kind of grew during the COVID uh, pandemic uh, because more people were online, more people were at home, um, and and I know that's a, been a current trend. Basically, on the, con the conversation we've been having now, are there any organizations that parents can reach out to for help or assistance if they uh, believe any kind of trafficking or or grooming? For perpetrators are going on, uh, obviously law enforcement for sure. But are there any other agencies or, or uh, organizations that you could recommend for parents? Yeah, absolutely. So the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children is kind of the clearinghouse for most of this. Um, so reaching out to NICMIC, they can um, they can file a cyber tip if they have information that law enforcement can follow up with to try and look at a perpetrator. Um, if they don't and they just need additional resources, national centers there, there's uh, video trainings, there's all kinds of different things uh, that are there. There are some grassroots organizations in various locations to be able to reach out. Uh, and there's always the national trafficking hotline. Um, I've heard 
that there may be other um, avenues better than the National Trafficking Hotline, but that's the one that I'm most familiar with. Um, mm -hmm. That you can contact the National Trafficking Hotline, let them know that you believe that there's sex trafficking going on. They get it over to the uh, the appropriate uh, agencies for investigation, and they can look into it. Obviously, if it's an exigent circumstance, just call 911. Call your local law enforcement agency. Um, if your agency is small and doesn't have dedicated individuals for that, um, there are statewide task forces uh, in every state. Some of them have two or three of them, um, both for human trafficking and for the internet crimes. And uh, they can always reach out to the experts and the, the task forces to try and get additional resources. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that information. I'm putting back on the screen, Dr. Francine saying it's happening in their own backyard. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've discussed that. We've discussed that and many, many wonderful topics. Again, again, it was a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, through the course of conversation, I know I may have skipped over some questions or I may have jogged your memory on some things that you wanted to touch on. Is there anything else that you would like to share with us? The best thing I can say is, you know, as a parent, um, the best thing that you can do for your kids is be involved. Um, you know, check up on them, find out what they're doing, find out who they're hanging out with, who are they talking to online? Mm. Um, you know, we know that a lot of the trafficking domestically is occurring online. And so as parents, you really need to be on top of it. You need to be looking at their social media, seeing who their friends are, who's on their friends list. I, I don't care what Facebook says. Nobody has a 500 friends. Um, you know, my, my LinkedIn account has 1100 followers. I've met about six of them. I probably know maybe another dozen, yeah. uh, you know, from, from work or something like that from outside. I don't know all 1100 of them, right. um, you know, and so certainly a teenager should not have that many friends uh, in their friend list because odds are at least one of those people isn't who they say they are. And that's the one that you got to worry about. And so parents need to, to really be diligent on, checking their kids' social media, checking their devices, see what they're doing, who they're talking to, so that they can try and, and nip it in the bud, you know, as, as soon as possible, hopefully before it gets uh, to a situation where a child is being lured out for, uh, you know, for hands-on sexual abuse or for trafficking or, or sextortion or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. I know, uh, I've got a speaking delicate, um, I know of a situation where um, a young child was uh, provided um, uh, some U.S. currency, uh, maybe digitally. I'm not ex exactly sure how uh, that child, um, unbeknownst to their parents, ended up in another state uh, many hours away, uh, all because they were going to go meet an online friend or who they thought was a friend. Um, and luckily, um, law enforcement agencies were able to intervene very quickly um because of the the transportation that was used um for that that child was able to use uh they were authorities were able to get uh, involved with that transportation to intercept before it got to the final de destination and return that child to the parents uh, that's a little vague uh but i think you guys understand what i'm saying uh, i couldn't i couldn't go too deeply but I, it happens is what i'm trying to say and it's unfortunate and very easily because um from what I understand, the child was very naive, uh, very gullible, uh, and actually really wanting to meet a, f a friend. Right. 
and, and unfortunately that's that's a pretty common um that's a pretty common theme you know we see that all the time where these individuals are are going after these kids online they're they're grooming them they're they're convincing them i had one guy that um sent me an iphone 5 because he was convinced that my undercover persona was going to use that iphone 5 to live stream sexual acts with him mm-hmm. um you know i i know of other individuals who have received bus tickets plane tickets money um you name it uh, to to travel and, and go engage and we see these all the time look all you have to do is google it and you'll see a, a dozen stories on the first page of children being you know removed from right across state lines to go and contact somebody because they thought they were a friend online fortunately many of those end up being discovered by law enforcement and we can recover those kids mm-hmm. a lot of times though they're they're not yeah. um, and it, it without giving away too much on bloodline um we are pretty sure that um uh perpetrator the third um has had picked up a child at some point in some state and um may have killed them and disposed of them we just didn't have we just don't have enough information to go on to to definitively um identify and so and of course uh, we, we probably never will at this point um, so and for anybody that wants to know more about it, um, I suggest you go on to YouTube and look up the video um, about Alicia. Uh, she, she's changed her name to Kovic, but it used to be Koshikovich. Um, Alicia was um, a 13-year-old girl in, in the early 2000s. Uh, she met some guy online. It was her best friend. And on New Year's Day, he abducted her and took her to his house and uh, held her against her will and raped her for four days and was ready to dispose of her when the FBI found her and kicked in the door. Wow. Um, so it, it's been happening for decades. It's only getting worse with more social media and things like that. And that's why I say, watch what your kids are doing online. Find out who their friends are because you never know when one of them is not who they say they are. Yeah. Yes. Good, good point and good, good topic. Thank you. Thank you, Randy, for coming in here and sharing with us again your experiences, your expertise. Uh, and I'm glad that you're you're putting this information out here. Um, Bloodline, Evil Legacy. And of course, we t- discussed again, Sniper Creeps. Uh, make sure you guys get your copies. It's scrolling below. Uh, he he ex- explained you can get an autographed copy. He also explained where he's going to be uh, in the upcoming future. Um, so anyone who's law enforcement looking to get into this realm, uh, make sure that you guys reach out to uh, uh, order these books. Or he even said that there's a way to his website where you can talk, discuss with him and he can suggest um, perfect, pro- the proper trainings or good trainings to go through um, to help you better on in your career. So hopefully that that will happen. Um, Randy, I, th- I appreciate you coming on the show. I know this isn't an easy topic to discuss. This, this isn't an easy topic to hear. Uh, Sound of Freedom wasn't an easy wa- movie to watch. Um, but I will to leave on a good note, there is many happy, it, many, the outcomes were very favorable in, in the movie. So I don't want to leave too many, too many of our viewers distressed. <laughs> and, and, you know, there's lots of favorable outcomes uh, in all of these situations. And we can only get more favorable outcomes the more people who know about it and 
advocate for it and and are making our jobs easier by keeping their kids from becoming uh, a target. So yep. look for more uh, more positive outcomes that way. Yeah, absolutely. And what, what what's in the future for you? Uh, how many are, are you working on another book that you're that we'll be able to share? I, I am. Um, so my daughter got kind of frustrated. My 12 year old got frustrated because she couldn't read cyber creeps and she couldn't read bloodline. And so she hit me one day and she was like, Dad, when are you going to write something that I can read? And I said, well, I don't know. Give me an idea. She goes, how about a book about zombies in love? Said, okay, we can work on that. So she and I sat down together. We brainstormed it and she helped me write it. And we have um, a book called Love and Brains uh, that was published in May. She did all the cover art for it, which I love because I'm uh, visually I'm, a, I'm an idiot. I can't draw a stick figure without it looking like it has you know, spaghetti for a back. Um, but so she did the, the cover art and we, we wrote the book together and she was the first sixth grader, 12 year old in her school to be a published author. Nice. Um, and we are in the process of writing book two of love and brains because we decided to turn it into a, uh, a little bit of a series. Nice. And so we're about halfway through the second one of love and brains. And then, uh, we, introduced a new character in the second book that uh we're talking about doing a, a little spin-off series so uh -oh. she uh she wants to be a veterinarian but who knows maybe she ends up uh being the next uh john grisham or something so or, or jk rowling even yeah i see that creative writing is coming out i know uh before you you were talking talking about um how you're a star wars fan so i mean that, that has to that gets the creative juices flowing on a different realm as well. <laughs> yep, absolutely. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I can get George Lucas to listen to me so we can do some really good work here, but yeah. it hasn't happened yet. Well, when that day happens, let me know, because I'm definitely going to watch and we're definitely going to cover it. Uh, I'll, I'll cast you on that one. We'll, 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 get you, we'll get you in a Stormtrooper outfit or something. All right, that's cool. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you guys for tuning in. This is Black and Blue. This is where we go live weekly. We kicked off August tremendously with Randy Snyder here in our, our discussion. If you have any more questions or any more concerns, please feel free to uh, keep the comments going in the comment section, and we'll address them as soon as possible, as best we can. But we go live weekly at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we're going to continue on that same trend. we got a special guest coming on the show next week. I want to tell you who he is. It's going to be another exciting show, but I don't want to give it away. I don't. I got to keep you on the edge of your seat. I got to keep that suspense going. So make sure you guys stay tuned. This is Coach Clay. I'm your motivational speaker, your empowerment coach, your author, and your favorite baker's favorite baker. Bringing to you Black and Blue, the, the show where we highlight first responders and law enforcement officials on their uh, publications, their experiences, and their trainings. So make sure you guys stay tuned. Share it with your friends. We're going to keep the show going. Thank you guys for tuning in and enjoy this, Sergeant. Be safe. That takes you out. 10-4, over and out. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice... Hello, Sergeant B. Safe, Captain Chaos. I'm your new district attorney, Justin Case. Hello, Justin Case. Nice to meet you. Yes, it's a pleasure. I'm glad we're all on the same team. Yes, locking up bad guys. Let's go inside the courthouse and see the judge. We have bad guys to put away. You are absolutely right. 
let's go inside and get to work. All rise. I am the Honorable Judge Mint. Good morning, Your Honor. Attorneys, present your closing arguments. I'm a defense attorney, Scott Free, and my guys didn't do it. The proof has been laid out, Judge. Sergeant B. Safe and Captain Chaos caught these guys red-handed. What you mean, red-handed? Order in the court! I find these three guilty on all counts. Ooh. Well, I'm out of here. I'm innocent. I didn't sell crap. What do you mean, guilty? I don't hack. Urgh. Good work. Yes, job well done, team. I just want to say good job to our brand new district attorney, just in case. And from me and Captain Chaos, that's your tip of the day to get you on your way.